Amen. All right, so a few weeks ago, I decided to start growing my hair. And I know, I know some of you have, yeah. Wow. I've been shaving my head, and my son had never seen me with hair or couldn't remember a time that he had seen me with hair. And, uh, and so we were doing that. And then, you know, I was growing it, and then I, I, my sideburns were getting so bushy, I tried to, like, uh, you know, trim them up myself. And that didn't really work. And I had, like, I was doing that, and, and I shaved up too high. And then I'm like, oh, man, I have not paid for a haircut in, like, five years, four or five years. And, uh, and I was like, man. And so I, I bit the bullet, had to get a haircut yesterday. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> but the Rogaine's working. And uh, I'm a proponent. I'm not only <laughs> the president. I'm just kidding. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're glad you're here. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we started a series that we've called Choosing Christmas and really been praying and asking God to continue to move here at the Gateway Church through this season. And we began to explore the idea that within the Christmas story, the message of Christianity is crystal clear. And, uh, and I believe that to the bottom of my heart. And we're looking at familiar, a familiar story, Luke 2 and Matthew 1 and 2. And many of you have even played a part in this story at one time in your life. Maybe you were baby Jesus, or maybe you're Mary or Joseph, or maybe one of the shepherds, and you've, you've played a part. But the challenge is not only to know the story. Yeah, we know it. We could probably talk about it. We could probably share it. But we also want to embrace the message that comes with that. And so we've been focused, we focused two weeks ago on Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and took really kind of a, a detailed look at that. And we landed in verse 14. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We landed on verse 14 as the kind of the crux of that morning, as we talked about the fact that there's this big fear at times when we approach God, but we said, no, there is no fear. And the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas the whole reason that Jesus was sent to this earth lies in, these, in this verse. And it says, glory to God in the highest. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God getting the glory. It starts with God. It's leveraged by God. And it's finished up with God. And then the second part was that it says, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And we said, when there's peace, there's no fear. And when the message of the cross sinks in, there's no trembling. There's, it's not bad news. It's not scary news. Like the shepherds were terrified and frightened. But the, Christ, the Christmas message should erase all fear. There's no shame, no guilt when we embrace that. And ultimately, what we said a couple weeks ago is that that peace, when it sets into our hearts, it allows for intimacy in our lives with Jesus. Amen. And you know, I was thinking about that again. And I'm just, I'm thinking, wow, that's such a powerful thought. And I know some of you weren't here a couple weeks ago when we talked about this. And uh, when there is an absence of fear, um, intimacy is possible. 
But just think about it. When there's fear or when you're concerned or you've got your walls up, you're saying, "Ah, I'm not sure who I'm going to let in or if I'm going to let Jesus in. Um, Intimacy is an impossibility. And how many of you want an intimate relationship with the Lord? I know you do. And I want to encourage you that when we embrace the idea that, yes, peace on earth, and it's all about God, that, that Jesus, he can start to move or continue to move in our lives, and we can grow and become mature, and God can have his way in our lives. Well, today, that life-changing message continues in the message I've called To the Rescue. And I'm going to ask that we pray and ask God um, here just a moment. And I want you to repeat after me uh, in a quick prayer, asking the Lord to open up our hearts. Will you do that with me? All right, say, Dear Lord, Lord, open up my heart heart to receive from you you. every word. word. Speak to me, Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name, name. Amen. 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 I believe God will do that. He'll honor his word. And I hope you prayed that with passion in your heart. And, uh, and I believe that God wants to uh, really speak to us this morning. Well, I was thinking this week about, the, about human nature a little bit. And I was curious about the idea that oftentimes in our lives, we like to come to our own rescue. We don't want to be owned by anyone right? We want to pay our own way. We want to stand on our own two feet. And boy, especially as men, as a guy, I can speak for myself. You know, I like to say, you know, I did it myself. Look what I did. Even my son Logan has that, that in his heart and uh, he'll make Lego stuff or he'll, you know, create something. He's like, dad, check this out. And I know women have the same. Uh, and it's, it's the idea that we want to be self-made in some way. And if I've received something bigger, if somebody has, you know, paid me off or bought me out, I feel like maybe I've been owned or like the Bible says, slave to the lender. And, and I, that doesn't exactly line up. But I was thinking about it, that we want to stand on our own two feet. I know I do. This kind of plays out when we go out to eat. Maybe we're with another family or another individual. And you say, hey, if someone says to you, hey, I'll get the bill. What do you say? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No problem, right? (laughs) I'm thinking maybe you say, well, hey, let me get the tip. Or I'll get what? I'll get next time. I'll get it next time. I'll pick it up. (laughs) Because you feel like sometimes, I know I do, you feel like you've got to do something. And at Christmas time, that whole idea is really accentuated. The question is, is what is the worst thing that could happen at Christmas time? Well, I mean, there's a lot of bad things that could happen. But in regards to this message, uh, to get a gift bigger than what you have given. How many have that fear? Just be honest. You're like, oh, you got to keep it equal, right? If your brother and sister, you know, you're buying gifts, or you got to keep things the same, right? Or you get a gift and you don't have one to give in return. Oh, how many have been there before? What do you do? Someone says, hey, I got you something. What do you do? You lie. (laughs) And you say, I haven't wrapped your gift yet, right? The gift hasn't been wrapped. And there's some partial truth there because you haven't even bought the gift. (laughs) But that's the case. 
none of us want to be overgiven or we don't want to undergive. And you don't say, hey, I didn't get you anything, but thank you. Why is that in many cases? Is because you don't want to be bought or to be owned. And this idea is seen all throughout our lives. It's real natural. In our grades, the harder we study, the harder we work, the better grades we will get. When you work at, especially if you work on commission, the harder you work, the more sales you get, the higher your paycheck will be. Some of you are play sports, and I know that the harder you work at practice, the more you sacrifice, the better your skills get, the more playing time you will get on the team. Or even with spending money and uh, around these things, it's natural to say, you know what? I want to do it my own way. And the, the harder I work, the more I deserve certain things in my life. In my life. And the problem is we bring this kind of thinking into our relationship with God at times. And things get messed up. They get fouled up. And whether you're new to the faith and you're saying, boy, I'm just exploring Christianity. I'm not sure where I am even with all of this. Or you're the most mature believer among us. I believe that in this area, we struggle a bit. We want to bring our part of the deal to God and to our relationship with God. We say things like this. Remember the time I gave God? <laughs> or remember I, when I used to pray or when I've prayed or I sacrificed? Remember, God, I'm the good guy, right? Remember. But this is not how it works in the kingdom of God. It's not a gift exchange that we bring a gift and then God gives us a gift in return. How many are thankful for that? And the, even though we understand that, even though we can th- and talk about that and embrace that, we don't always live it out like that. And if we've had a good week or maybe a good day or a good hour or maybe a, you know, a glimpse of a good moment, <laughs> maybe we've helped the poor, we gave to the homeless, or maybe we shoveled a neighbor's driveway, or we prayed or we served, or you, know, you come to the hygiene drive in a couple weeks and you, give, you, know, you serve for a couple hours, you're feeling really good, or maybe you serve in the nursery, you change a few diapers, um, something like that. What happens when you approach God? You come, perhaps, with more confidence because you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You're saying, dear God, you know me. The Pharisee, right? No, no, no. But you say, I know this. And the same is true if you've had a bad week, if you stayed out too late, or you lied about a Christmas gift that you never bought, or you cheated on on an exam, or you didn't come home, or maybe you disrespected a teacher, or a spouse, or your parents. Maybe you've been messing around, and you get busted, and then now it's time to approach God. What happens? You have less confidence. You may come a little sheepish with God. And the trouble is we come to God with our own part. We think that we bring something to the table and we'll say things like, God certainly must view me through the lens I use to judge myself and how good I am. And so when we're feeling good, we we come with confidence. When we're not so good, we come with less confidence. And at Christmas, at some level, 
We're forced to think about this, or I want us to at least embrace this idea, think about it, and maybe, maybe you're here, and maybe that this is one of the only times in the year that you attend church, and that's okay. Maybe you come at Christmas and Easter, and you're saying, well, you know, I feel a little weird, feel a little out of place, don't understand at all, but you're thinking this, you're saying, boy, if anybody knew what I have done, what I've done There's no way anyone would accept me because my part doesn't measure up. And it's natural to think that way. In fact, the Bible even addresses that, that the man looks on the outward appearance, right? And we understand that. And it may be natural to think this way until you read the Christmas story. Because it's really the opposite of what you might think. It's not bad news. There's no fear. We talked about that two weeks ago. But the message of Christmas is bold. The message starts with the story of Christmas. Jesus coming to earth. And then it is built throughout the New Testament. And this morning we want to look again at the Christmas story. So I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. You're saying, hey, isn't that where we were a couple weeks ago? You got it. And this, last time we went through 20 verses and we kind of really spent uh, time looking at those and talked about some of the history and you can get online and listen. Today we're not going to do as much of that, um, but we want to really land on one word this morning that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to uh, impress in our hearts. And as we read here in just a second, um, we want to try to understand that, that we're trying to define a relationship with God. What does that look like, especially at Christmas time? And, it, and I'll tell you, it's not like any other relationship um, that you might have. It's not like your relationship with your father or your mom or with your kids or with a coworker or with your boss. With almost every other relationship, there are conditions attached at some level. But what you're going to see here is that there's no conditions. It's for all people. And I want to read, uh, starting in verse 8, all right? It says, And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were afraid. They were scared. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But the angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. And I want to remind us that it's for everyone, for all the people. It's an all skate. Everybody's in. Everybody's in. And we know that this news is in spite of what we've done or what we have deserved. And listen to what it says in verse 11. Today, we're going to land on one, one verse here, or one, one word. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Everyone say Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. And we want to remember that in the time of history when that was proclaimed, the Jews were being oppressed The Romans had him by the throat and a savior, a soter in Greek, a term used only for those in authority, a term used for Caesar Augustus and the like. And Luke is asserting boldly, he's saying, look, Augustus is not the peace that you are looking for. 
Jesus is. A Savior has been born in the house of David. And remember, the Jews and the Romans, they were near, uh, they were almost to the point of war, and the Jews were ready to fight. And they hear this news that a Savior was born. In the midst of all this turmoil of the Jews, the Lord declares through the Holy Spirit, Soter, a Savior, not Rome, not Caesar, not even yourself. It's not that you can do it. You but a Savior has been born. I've sent someone to rescue you. Now, this is different than what the Jews expected. They were hoping that for the Jews, a Savior, that they would have uh, some sort of salvation from Rome. The disciples wanted this. The followers of Jesus wanted, they wanted a revolt. They were ready to fight, and we see that through the Gospels. But Luke, he really focuses on the Savior motif and this idea, um, really more than the other three Gospels, that there's a Savior. And the Savior is, kind of deals with who. And then throughout the book of Luke and, and then into Acts, you can see the idea of salvation, which is a, uh, in the same root word, from what? And what were they saved from? And we see that in Luke chapter 2, verse 30, that Simeon, he recognizes it in a prophecy. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. In Luke chapter 4, which we read a little bit earlier, verses 18 and 19, Jesus, he steps up for the first time. First time he's really speaking out out to uh, the public. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. He sent me to proclaim uh, the year of uh, favor of the Lord. And with that, we look at that and we say, you know what? Jesus is proclaiming that he is the savior and he's saving the people. We see it in Luke chapter 15 in the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, that Jesus is to come. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And even in Zacchaeus' story, which we talked about just a few weeks ago, that that at the end of that story, it says now what was uh, lost has now been found. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Salvation has come. In a present sense and in a future sense. And Luke is writing to Theophilus in the book of Luke and into Acts. And he's saying, look, why should Theophilus hang tough in the midst of all this trouble? Why not throw in the towel? Why not give up on what the circumstances were that were facing the early church? And he's saying, don't give up because salvation has come. And it's enlarged throughout the book of Luke and Acts. A savior has been born. Not a king in, this, in, the, in that context, or a helper, or a coach, or a silent partner with deep pockets. Not a financial advisor, not a relationship guru, but a savior has been born. And again, it's really important for us to understand that there's not, nothing, it has nothing to do with performance. It's, not, it's nothing you can buy or your deeds can earn you, or you can trade for, or purchase, or earn. A Savior has come to the rescue, and there's really no other parallel to this. You may uh, be a great mom, which I know there are many great moms here, but moms, you are not a Savior. You may be a great dad, but you are not a Savior. You may be a great boss and uh, own a great business, but you are not the Savior. You can look at me and say, boy, you're an okay pastor, (laughs) but I am not a Savior. I can guarantee that. A Savior has been born, and He is Christ the Lord. Now, I want to pause just for a second. I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, 
<laughs> I know this, right? And uh, don't you have anything else, Pastor? You know, you know, it's Christmas. Yeah, we understand this. A Savior, Christ the Lord. I, I read it in a Christmas card, or I sang it in a song, or you know, I see it in the plastic Jesus out, you know, in the in the uh, you know, in my neighbor's yard. And uh, but the truth is. <laughs> If you've never come to grips with the fact that you need saving, that you need a savior, this good news can really be a hassle or a nuisance. And let me try to explain. I heard a story this week of a, of a pastor that uh, pulled up to an intersection and there was red light. And the guy that he pulled up next to was in this big old beat up truck, diesel engine, you know, weird things written on the, the back that are inappropriate to talk about in church. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to read them out loud. You're kind of guarding your kids. And uh, he pulls up to the light and this guy opens up his door out of this truck and jumps out of his truck. And this pastor, his first response was, lock the door. <laughs> You know, he's saying, what's going on? And uh, this guy jumps out, tattoos, long hair, you know, just, you know, grizzly, ugly, smelly, I'm sure. And uh, he, he jumps out and he's looking around. He's like, what's going on? And this guy goes across the street and through the traffic, is stopping traffic. And all of a sudden the pastor's like, holy smokes, there's a lady in a car across the street and out of the grill of her car is fire coming out of the engine. And this big old burly guy is risking his life through traffic to save her. And she's like locking the door and she's like looking down and like trying to avoid this guy. And all of a sudden, he, you know, she, he's knocking on her window and yelling, you got to get out of the car. She finally responds. She gets out of the car and the car basically explodes right there on the, on the highway. And this guy saved this woman's life. And he's watching it. It's like, holy smokes. I can't believe that just happened. And what was interesting is, as he told this story, he's like, you know, how many times are you on your journey? And if, especially if you haven't made a commitment for Christ, you think, well, Jesus is trying to hijack or carjack your life. And there's all this Christian music on the radio or CDs or books that your family leave around or your spouse or maybe, you know, you, it's Christmas time and your brother-in-law, he's always talking about Jesus, right? Or whatever the case might be. And all these people are trying to save you, right? Or maybe you've been in that position where you're trying to help someone realize and you're thinking, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Lock the door. I can do this on my own. I'm just fine. And this savior thing becomes kind of a big yawn. Like, ah, oh, you know, I've heard that before. It really doesn't apply to me. But let me try to explain this morning the circumstances that we all face. And I could kind of go in one or two directions. I could kind of go in the fire and brimstone, you know, you know, like, you know, to scare you into salvation. And, you know, and, you know, there's a place for that somewhere. Um, probably not this morning, but the, you know, you've all heard it, you know, you know, Jesus is coming. And if you have, you know, you're going to spend forever burning and your hair is going to burn and it's never going to burn away, but you're going to smell it and it's going to be bad. And there's going to be only a drop of water on your tongue and you're going to be thirsty for an eternity, right? You've all, we've all been there and that, but, and there's some truth in that. 
And we can see that in Scripture. But you know what? I also love the picture, and I want to really focus on, is that Jesus is really, he is described as a perfect gentleman, right? And he stands on the sideline of our lives watching everything that's happening. And until you realize that you need a Savior, he's not jumping in. And that's the truth. And until you realize you need a Savior, not another credit card, not a new job or a new spouse or whatever. Romans 2 verse 4 says, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And I love that picture, that God is watching our lives. And you may be seeking, you may not have made a commitment to the Lord, or maybe you know someone that hasn't made a commitment to the Lord, and God is watching them. God is watching you, your every move. And he's not going to interrupt, but he's there. It's not these threats. God's not up in heaven, I don't believe, with a big old hammer waiting to whack us, like the whack-a-mole game. But at the moment... You wake up and realize that it's not, not another phone call that you need to make or another trade or you can't buy or work your way out of this. And you say, I need a savior. Then God steps in. And this might be offensive to some of you here, but you need a savior. You need a Savior, each and every one of us. I was thinking about it. Can we just be honest for a second? And are there any habits in your life that you would love to get rid of? Let me just see your hand, all right? Okay, all, anyone that doesn't have your hand up, it just lied. <laughs> or you missed your opportunity <laughs> to be truthful. And the habits could range from you know, your anger to maybe an alcohol problem or tobacco or a money issue or issues with morality or your thought life. And if I offered to you this morning that you could come forward, we'll anoint you with oil, we'll pray, or we'll give you a handshake or whatever, that those habits would be gone, that we could save you from those habits, how many of you would come forward and say, you know as your pastor, I'd be the first, I'd be shaking my own hand. I'd be getting the oil, put it on, you know, save me, God. Because the truth is, is that we're all dying. And the truth is, is that I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can come to our rescue. But God is patient. He's patient. I love something I ran across this week. Rick Warren said this. He says, you don't need a savior just because you may die tonight. And you do need a Savior because you might die. But you also need a Savior because you have to live tomorrow. And that's what God offers. He wants to be a part today and for eternity. And in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, those that responded, they understood. It was a sinful woman that responded. It was the poor beggar. It was the demoniac that responded. It was Zacchaeus. It was the rich. It was the poor. And then throughout the book of Acts in particular, it was not only the Jews, it was the Gentiles that responded and they got the salvation that they needed. Salvation, freedom from sin, freedom from the enemy, restoration in their lives. And that same gift is available for us today. Salvation from our habits. 
Salvation when we talk about our relationships. Salvation in regards to our finances. Salvation in regards to our kids. Maybe a salvation from a drug addiction or something else. As I was praying, I just kept on thinking this week that there may be someone here this morning that's really struggling and I just kept on coming up with alcohol and I don't understand what that might be and I don't know of anyone offhand that's struggling in that area, but you may be here this morning and maybe nobody knows you're a secret drinker and you're saying, man, I need salvation from that. I just want to declare God, he's bigger than that. You may have said in your life over and over, you know, I couldn't save my marriage, that failed. Or maybe my kids, I couldn't save my kids, or I couldn't save my career. And when we come to those moments, this is where the Christmas message kicks in. It's not a huge yawn saying, oh, I've heard that before. We should be dancing right out of our skin when we realize that Jesus, the Savior, has been born. But everything in this world is fighting to minimize that truth, to minimize your condition. It blinds us to the need that we have. But I want you to know And this is where we want to be heading. And Brennan and the worship team, you can come back this morning. I believe that God gave me a word for us that anything that we would put at the feet of Jesus, Jesus will save. And the challenge for us today is to lay it down and to see what God does for us. And I know there's some pretty serious situations, some hard situations that you may be facing. With the amount of people that are here today, no doubt there are couples here that are struggling. You may be sitting next to your spouse or your future mate and you're struggling. You may be sitting here and there are habits in your life that have overtaken you and you feel trapped you feel like you've got all kinds of trouble. There are bad situations when it comes to our kids, and some of you have have been watching your kids, and you're saying, God, help my kids. Again, you may be struggling with alcohol or drugs or the like, other addiction. And my challenge this morning is as we embrace the story of Christmas, the message of Christmas, that we would lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. A Savior has been born. And when you can't do it anymore, then Jesus steps in and says, yes. And when he steps in to save us, what often happens is this unfiltered emotion, unsolicited devotion saying, God, if you save me from this, I will serve you forever. If you save my marriage, I'll do this or whatever the case might be. Lord, you save my life. Lord, if you need anything, my answer is yes. And that's my heart for us, God's people. And you say, well, you know, earlier today in worship, 
you know, that song, I have my neighbor, where they're kind of maybe, you know, tearing up as we're talking or singing the song and saying, what in the world's that about? Or maybe there's a phrase that really gets you every time or a scripture or a word, and it's a memory, kind of like King David who said, uh, I've been redeemed from the pit. And maybe you've heard a, a certain song or a certain phrase, and you're saying, boy, uh, that, that memory or that idea, or you're, even this morning, you're embracing this idea of, say, of a Savior, and you're saying, boy, I would give anything. There's emotion that comes with that. See, this message of Christmas is that Jesus came to our rescue. God sent a Savior for you. He sent one for me. And I believe that the decision lies in our court. We could let life go by with God out of our lives, or we can invite God in, and Jesus will say, yes, I'm here for you. I want to help you right where you are. And this morning, I don't know everyone here, and I just want to let you know that if you lay down your life before the Savior this morning, that there's a promise of salvation. That Jesus will take everything that you've done wrong, every sin, every horrible thought, every uh, uh, inappropriate action, and he will save you from that. See, the Bible says that if there's even one sin in your life, it'll keep you from an eternity with Jesus because there's no sin allowed in heaven. And the truth is, is that we need a Savior to step in and to cover our sins. And that's what Jesus did. And this morning, I just believe that there may be some that that are saying, you know what, I don't care what anybody thinks this morning, but I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I want to talk about that just for a moment with your head bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're here and you're saying, boy, that's where I am today. I need a Savior. Would you be honest enough in your own heart, in your own life to embrace the reality of that and to say, you know what? Um, I'm ready to invite Jesus into my life. And if you're at that point this morning, I want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you're here and that's where you are, would you just respond by just lifting up your hand? I just want to see, you know, and I want to partner with you in prayer. Is there anyone at all saying, boy, that's where I am today. I need a Savior today. I need a Savior today. Anyone at all? week, 
uh, one of our students was telling uh, a testimony to Pastor Pete that he's going to share tonight. And there was another student there. And one of, uh, one of his friends uh, got saved right while, right while they were out. Pastor Pete and um, um, what's his name? Uh, Tyler. Tyler. Tyler Brown. And J.R. surrendered his life, never given his heart to the Lord. So, I mean, there's salvation happening. And that's exciting. And, uh, but we've been praying for these moments. And I just want to take a second before we kind of go to the second part of the, the, uh, the challenge, that we've got an opportunity at Christmas to invite those that may only come once or twice a year to church. And will you pray with me that God will give you the boldness to use those cards or to invite someone to come and to be a part of what God's doing here? And let's believe that next week on Christmas Sunday morning, that there will be people that will respond to a salvation message. Will you pray with me that this week that God would help you and that God would help us as a body to, to see that happen? And just believe and let's just intercede and our intercessors will be praying. And uh, that's my heart. I want, I want, I don't want there to be a week that goes by that someone doesn't surrender their heart to Jesus. I mean, that's what we're here for. Amen. That's primary number one. But this morning, as I was praying and asking the Lord just for, you know, how would we want to close this service, I really kept on coming back to this idea that we, if we lay down areas of our lives, our anger, our bitterness, some of our struggles, our relationships, if we lay down and say, God, I give you my marriage, or I give you my finances, or I give you my business, or I give you my schoolwork, if we lay down these areas of our lives, I believe that Jesus will save those areas. He will help us in those areas of our lives. But we've got to lay it down. And we've got to say, God, here I am. Not this gift exchange like, hey, this is what I can bring to the table. It's just, it's a giving up that Jesus is the one that comes to our rescue. And I'm just curious this morning, and we'll just keep our eyes open because how many have areas in your lives that you need to probably lay down and say, God, I need you to intercept and kind of work in my life. That's just the truth of our lives. I'm the first one to raise my hand with you. 